0: From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Men Cometh, the podcast. The
1: Men Cometh! Well, you would not believe it. Here it is, a Thursday evening at 7pm-ish in Hobart, and we have not one... Not two, but three. Yes, three. I say, dice men in the studio at Edge Radio. Hello,
2: gentlemen. Oh, we we do. I'm out of here. <laughs> it is very, very odd. How have you been, Michael? And you, Gary? How have you been? <laughs> very well, thanks, Larry. There you go. <laughs> it has been so. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> Now I know why. Current Um, references. (laughs) It's been so long since we've had the three of us in the studio. It must be... Well, it's well before PAX, that's for sure. And so to celebrate, we've got not one, Mm. not three, but two... What we have been playing, where we talk about games,
0: what we have been playing, and these aren't small ones. These are these are biggins. They are, and they both start with P. Mm, so, so for any do. eagle-eared listeners out there,
2: I think you know what we're talking about. Yeah, Puerto Rico and Pathfinder. Oh yeah, possibly. No, we're not. not. We've done them before. No. <laughs> okay, they're, they're old news. We've got new, new news, new news.
1: Correct, and new news. of course we mustn't forget that we are now sponsored by the fantastic LFG with their S and Unplugged event coming up. Mm. I believe it is the 20- 22nd to the twenty fourth. Correct, two weeks of this actual month of
0: November. Well. Yes, cannot our- wait at the East Lake. Football club in uh, some suburb of Canberra. And, Garth, we will be there. And if we have any
1: time at the end of the two what we have been playing, I will do a quick rundown of maybe a couple of games that we might like to be playing Mm. because there are some hot, good hotnesses.
0: Oh, yes. There is the hottest of hot stuff. Of new games. Some would call it essential playing. (laughs) I see what you did there. Yes, uh, clever. because they come from Essen, and it's like, you should really play them. Oh, I haven't missed this. All <laughs> right, well, it, look, it's episode 200 and what, Mark? 80. It's episode 283
1: Three. on the 7th of November, in the year of our games, 2019. And without further ado, we better get our butts back home. Hello, hello, Ignacy Cevicek,
2: Portal Games, and you're listening to The Dice Man Comet. Uh, have a great time. You can stop trying to (laughs) distract me. I'm a professional. I know it's like, Ah, Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men cometh, proudly brought to you by our good friends at LFG. Check them out. And that was Gym Class Heroes with Get Your Mm Mmm Back Home. (laughs) Yes. See, I did a good thing because I don't swear on this show. Good on you, Leon. I'm the I'm the one of us that hasn't. You are done a yet. walking
0: radio editor, aren't you?
2: I certainly am. Yes. I don't know if that's a compliment or no. Probably not. So anyway, I was doing all the working the other night. Mm. Funnily enough, as I do, and you lads were playing a bit of a game, and it starts with P. And Precisely. You, and you're going to talk about it right now. Possibly.
0: Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Do you want to hear a joke first? Oh, of course. Oh. All right, this is my, my kid's current favourite joke, which I only heard a little while ago. Uh-huh.
2: What ticks on a wall? A clock? Uh, it's something to do with sticky tape. Sticky tape. Ticky, yeah, sticky tape. <laughs> tape.
0: Right. Anyway, my kids love that. So, look, we are talking about Pret-a-Porter, and you say that we were playing a game, Leon. Yes. But we were working. Okay. Because we were working in the world of fashion. We're working it, baby. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> because Preta porter designed by, yes, good friend of the show, Ignace Trevicek, but also Peter Harasak, is a game that is currently in its third edition. And that mm. was very kindly sent to us by Ignace, and has been released to the world after a very successful Kickstarter. Now, Mark, you probably don't remember, but it did get hundreds of thousands of dollars from four and a half thousand backers, maybe? For yeah, it was three or four hundred thousand, I think, a good good chunk. Yeah, so look, this is the third edition, as I say. It first came out in 2010, I think, and then has had, surprisingly, two more editions after oh. the first one. So look, Predator Porter is a mid-weight Euro game... We'll call it worker placement because everyone has at least three workers that you're going to be placing oh, on the board. board.
2: Are they not uh, assistants or lawyers? Well, like they are P- technically PAs employees, or, right, okay.
0: but we will get to that. And uh, you are trying to simply run the bestest fashion house in all of fashiondom, which means that you also are the most profitable because there are two endgame game points that you will be adding up at the end of the game. One is the victory points you've earned during the game, and the other one is the money that you've been able to earn and not necessarily then spend in the game, and very rarely, one money equals one victory point, Ah. which means money is very, very important. So... The goal is to lead your company to prosperity by showcasing the best collections of which you will have four opportunities to during the course of one game, one game equaling one year. There will be a collection that you need to display to the viewing masses every quarter. Are they, are they themed on the seasons? No, not oh, at all. Well,
2: there it's you go. It's a
0: real shame. But we'll get to what our thoughts are of the game after we have had a little bit of a what do you do? So look. I guess for anyone who has played Robinson Crusoe, and that's the game that immediately springs to mind in terms of the worker placement side of things, um, and I'm sure there are a million bajillion others, the turn will go, the first player will place a a worker down on one of the nine available spaces, then the player to their left will place one down and then it'll go round and round and round the table until all of the players have placed all three of their workers. Then... From action space number one all the way through to action space number nine, those action spaces will be resolved. After that, you will then have the worst phase because it's, first of all, growth, oh. which sounds bad, but it's actually good, and then you've got upkeep. And that's where you have to pay for everything in your fashion house, like those damn employees, like the damn buildings that you have the nerve to rent. hmm and then you get to do that twice before you'll get the chance to make that money back where you show off your collection. And as I say, you will do that four times over the year. The end of the year, you'll tally up all your points and your monies and whoever has the most is the winner. Now, the nine action spaces. Number one, if you need to take a loan, that's where you go. It's a bad space to go because you'll need to pay that loan back at the very next upkeep mm. phase. So it is a very short-term cash injection if you are in a little bit of financial strife. It's a cash converters loan. Uh, it is <laughs> it, very much so. It's a payday loan.
2: Yeah, it looks lovely for a second or two and then a few days later you go,
0: <laughs> Yes. Now, you are limited by how much you can borrow depending on the size of your collection. So you can go there just to borrow as little as $10 if you need to all the way up to 40 but the point is it's an expensive way to run your business. Area number two, space number two, is where you get contracts. Now, contracts don't cost you anything. They just offer you a benefit. And the contracts are actually really clever, I thought, because Mm -hmm. you get them and they will immediately offer you a benefit. At the next, I guess, uh, collection phase, all your contracts get a little bit weaker. So you flip them over... And then the next collection phase after that, you discard them. So every contract you get is going to last you half the half the game, which yes. is pretty amazing. So that's space number two. Number three is where you go and get your buildings. So you'll start with your bog standard player board, i.e. a building that offers no benefits. But you can then choose to buy buildings which will offer you certain benefits during the course of the game. Mm. They cost you money to buy. They cost you $4 to buy. And then every single upkeep phase, they will cost you two additional dollars, so they can be an expensive part of your game, but they offer really good benefits that might allow you to get a bit of a, a streamlined strategy going, and you can have any number of buildings which is cool, as long as you can afford them. The next space is going to be your employees and that's where you will buy staff that offer, again, like buildings, unique benefits. They have also an employment cost that you'll have to pay every single upkeep phase. They can be upgraded to be slightly better employees, as all employees should be. You should be able to flip over employees to the other side and get more out of them, (laughs) I guess, from a card (laughs) point of view. After that, you then go to actually buying designs buying the stuff that you want to then go and show at your collection and they are going to be four face-up cards, each of which will have two different types of materials that you need to be able to have in order to complete these designs Mm. because all designs only require two pieces of something. There are five different styles of clothes that you, yes, you as a fashion connoisseur could choose to
2: show. I have five different types of clothes. I have my black t-shirts, my (laughs) black hoodies, my black shorts, my black jeans, and... Black shoes? Black underpants. I'll leave that one hanging for everybody. Ah. Like your underpants.
0: Ah. Uh, So the five different styles are evening wear, business attire, casual clothes, rock, and the sporting attire. And what you'll be doing or want to do over the course of the game, every uh, collection that you are showing, is you want to show as many types of clothes that fit in the same style so you will always be able to decide okay well i've got seven basically design cards in front of me i can complete four of them of those four three of them are all in evening wear i want to do that because that is my Mm. largest collection which will help you get more points and more monies and that is very very important so you'll be really going through and looking for the right type of clothes to be creating that's really important that's what space five is Spaces six, seven, and eight is where you buy the fabric to be able to put those clothes together. Space six is the cheapest one. It's just the local market, basically, where you can go and buy as many of the one-coloured fabric that you can afford. You can then go a little bit further afield, and you go to space number seven. And space number seven, I'll just see what it's called. It's called the warehouse. So mm. it's got a larger selection where you can buy... One of every single colour should you be able to afford. Space 8 is where you go and import things so you can buy more stuff. And then you've got 9 Space, which is affectionately known around our gaming table anyway, Mark, as the loser's spot. Yes. But the more official term is last-minute preparations. And that's when you go to get some tokens, which will affect the value of of the collection that you are showing when you're going to go and have an exhibition.
1: Hey, Garth, you know what I just realised, actually? What? Something about our game, mm. without spoiling anything. Okay. You and Trent both went to the loser spot during the game. I actually never went to the loser spot once. Yeah, well, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that turns we, out. We
2: do. It brings that up in the middle of a conversation. I know, for God. no particular reason.
0: No, weird. So, look, they're the nine spots. And, look, you'll do that over and over again four, four times. Well, sorry, four seasons out of, the, out of the whole 12 months. But... It's about the cards. They're the really important part because that's what's going to set your fashion house aside from any other one. The choices you make when it comes to the style of contracts you choose to have, the types of buildings that you get, the type of employees that you want to have working for you are what's going to make all the difference because they can really alter the type of game that you're going to play. Mm. So there are employees like accountants which cost you money but make you money and that is super important because the upkeep phase is where you will spend a lot of time going, oh, my God, this is brutal. Yep. You start the game on an upkeep of $3 every round. So every time you're going to do the upkeep phase, it's going to cost you $3, and that's because you've got your three employees, your first three workers, and they all cost a dollar a go. That's how it works. When you buy a building, you have to pay $4. Now, you only start with $40, so it's 10% of your money's gone, and then every round they cost you an additional $2. So instead of having to pay $3 every upkeep, I've now got to pay 5 But then, hey, there's a really cool employee that might be a marketing executive and that means that I'm going to get extra bonuses when I go and do something or other. But I've got to pay to employ that person and have an upkeep every single round again. Mm. Now, this is where I made my first mistake. <laughs> I chose, in the very first two working rounds, before I'd had a chance to exhibit anything, I chose one or two buildings and an employee, which meant that before I'd had a chance to run a collection and earn any money, I had two upkeep phases where my upkeep cost, which started at minus three, went to minus nine in a heartbeat. And that hurts when you've got to be spending your money on other things like the fabric you need to build clothes and show a collection. But I just, immediately I went, oh, my God, I'm going to get myself in a death spiral here or I'm going to have to go to the loan because I need to be able to afford to buy some stuff, but then I'm going to have to pay for the loan in the next available upkeep. I'm not going to have earned any money back to pay that back, which means I need to take another loan, which means I need to try and pay, pay that back. If my collection isn't amazing and makes me lots of money,
2: I'm screwed. But to be fair, if you walked into any accountant firm in the world and they say, how's your business, and you go, I've got one worker and two buildings, what do you reckon? <laughs> He's probably going to say, you're in a bit of debt, aren't you, fella? Correct. And that was exactly the situation I found
0: myself in, which was not the best start.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, I... Because you and our good friend and ex-Dice Man Trent was the third player. Um Now, I will mention, he commented that this game reminded him a bit of Dungeon Lords yeah. with, the, with the worker selection, how there's so many choices, not all of them... All of them can get triggered, but in most cases, we're all sort of going in similar areas and competing for, with three you in most of the spots, you only had two spots. Correct. So not everyone could go there, so you then had to pick, well, what did I want to do first? But in my first round, I saw you guys going for all the buildings and the uh, employees. employees and the contracts and taking up all the spots, and I was in a mad panic, so I thought, well, I I can't go there. I'll just make some clothes and sell them, but I'm going to be really starting behind the eight ball because I'm not starting to build the machine Mm. to do things later. But, of course, what that did was then I spent all my money on materials and clothes and then sold them and got quite a good cash injection at the start and hadn't paid
0: out hardly anything for employees and buildings. No, your upkeep. Yeah. Remained at three. Yeah, for the whole first term. Yeah. And look, it's really important to, to say you start with $40, which isn't a huge amount, but if you then uh, display stuff at a collection, and obviously we'll, we'll get to that phase in a little bit, each piece of clothing, i.e., each card, design card that you can complete with the right material, will probably earn you between say, 13 and 25 to yeah. $28 in itself. So you can quite quickly earn money back, but that money has to see you through two working rounds with two lots of upkeep before you've then got another chance to make your money. So it's really a, a bit of that not long-term planning, but you've got to plan your next quarter out really, really well, and that will involve you going, well, if I do that, and that that's going to definitely cost me that and definitely cost me that and i need to buy those materials which definitely if i go to that space will cost me that and that and that and you'll be working out your little piles of money well not trying to be too obvious but working out the money well i've I've definitely got that upkeep every single upkeep phase so if i put that 18 dollars aside i'm sorted for the next two rounds what have i got to play with what do i need to afford what collection am i trying to build so that i will hopefully do all right and sell enough clothes to then live another day.
2: Well, this is making me rather anxious because this actually sounds like a real-life business. Oh, it's horrible.
0: (laughs) No, but it's good. And look, they're the working phases. Let's go to the exciting part. Let's go to fashion because that's why we're all here. Uh, 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 I'm in my work clothes. Mark's in a hoodie and Leon's in black. Shocking. Shocking. That's how fashionable we are. So the the exhibition round is what they call it. It's made up of a few phases. The first one is... Will happen a couple of times. It's called the Prestige Exchange Phase. That's tokens you've earned during the course of a round or a previous fashion. They get exchanged for VPs. Takes 30 seconds. Then you've got the Show Phase, which is where you as a designer will put those cards that you have been able to construct that are all in the same style, and that's what you're putting forward as your collection. You might get some bonuses like trend tokens Mm -hmm. or some PR tokens or some quality tokens, and that'll be what you put forward. You then go to the awards phase, and the awards phase is where you're going to be getting prestige tokens, which will become more important as the game progresses, but that's where you'll also really be competing for stuff because there are always going to be a certain number of awards happening at every every quarter. The first quarter has four awards. The second one has two lots of three, and then it goes further and further down until you've got the last quarter. And the awards are basically given to people who have the most of something, the most numbers of cards in their collection or the most quality tokens that they've been able to accrue or the most trend tokens or the most PR tokens. And that's why collecting tokens is super important, which is why, Mark, Trent and I went to the loser space oh. because the loser space gives you free access to tokens. Yes. Might not have worked so well, but anyway, that's why we went there. You then go to basically selling your stuff, and that's where you cash in the cards and cash in the resources for the money and rewards on there so that your business thrives to live another quarter. And you do that four times. At the end of that, there will be one final exchange of prestige tokens for victory points. You add up everything, you add up your cash, and Mark's declared the winner. (laughs) (coughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry. 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 So a good score in this game is about 210. Right. Right that was based on me playing once and getting that. Right. An excellent score is about 220, which is what Trent got. That's, you know, considered quite exceptional around the table. Yep. And then a broken score,
2: yeah,
0: is what Mark, I forget,
2: 403. Wow. <laughs> Were you guys even playing? Well, we were too busy <laughs> playing fashion so instead can, of
0: economics.
2: Mark can review the solo mode because clearly he was playing <laughs> that by himself or you two were playing a two-player game. Look, <laughs> right. it, it,
0: is,
1: it is interesting in that the four different uh, – not the four different types of tokens, the three different types of tokens plus obviously the number of, of uh, cards in your collection you're putting on, it's almost like you had – Four little separate victory point tracks for each competition. Correct. Um, one of the amazing things about this game is how it was 100% perfect information. So, there's nothing hidden you are allowed to even ask other players, oh, that little stack of quality tokens you've got there, just tell me how many is in it.
0: But it even goes that little step further because in some designs when you complete them, as well as getting the cash injection, you might also, the card might have a trend token symbol Mm. or a quality symbol or something else. You can go to your opponent in the exhibition phase and say, I can see you're displaying some clothes there. Based on that, what tokens and what other benefits are you going to get apart from your money? So you you know going into the exhibition phase exactly where it's all going to lie. So the awards are basically a done deal before you've even started the exhibition phase because you know exactly how they're going to end. It's a really interesting system there.
1: Yeah, although the other thing I found quite fascinating was, you know, we talk about this being a mid-level game, and I think that's because... It feels heavier than it is because there's a lot going on. But because you've got new cards and the cards are driving so much of it coming out each turn where everything gets wiped away and you start again, you can't actually think too far ahead. You can't, for example, get too many um, fashion pieces that you're going to build because they're expensive first up and you build – most of what you've got, if not all of what you've got each turn. Yeah. So you can't plan too far ahead. So it is quite str- – each, if you like, quarter is quite tactical where you're like, okay, these are the cards we've got. I can see what cards other people have, if any. I can see what everyone's capabilities are. How can I – I can see what the awards are going to be at the end of this quarter. Mm-hmm. How can I map out those two lots of three workers – plus the money I've got, plus the tokens I'm going to get. How can I map all that out to be sort of the best thing that I can do? But you can only really plan that one quarter.
0: Yeah, and look, you need to have, in my opinion, a pretty decent collection to display in probably three of the four quarters. Mm. Now, because of my financial situation early on where I was spending a lot of upkeep on stuff that wasn't fashion, I was able to display one completed piece of clothing uh, in my first collection which earned me 20 something dollars and that 20 something dollars had to see me through two upkeep phases where my upkeep was 9 per round yep. so it was $18 gone so i had $3 to play with which meant i was immediately unable to even consider buying another building or buying an employee even if they were a good employee yeah. it's just something i couldn't consider because i had to spend whatever money i had to buy the stuff to display my next uh, collection it was tough. Yeah, and but... Oh, you go, Leon, sorry. So this game, uh, what was the rough game length of this? So the rough game length uh, of this was we started at 2.51 and yeah.
2: finished at about 6. So take the dice men tax out of yeah. that. So it's, it's not a short game regardless. And no. you're saying that the things that you happened in the first round of the game essentially affected you for the rest of it? Well, they did because the quarter is so important. Now, in saying that,
0: no-one had a massive start. It was really... Right, right. Collection number three, right. where there became a big difference in uh, in scores. But if somebody mates.
2: say did have a decent start, while well, well, the rest of you floundered, would would they have just was the game almost then over at the end of round no, one? would you say no, it wasn't good. That's good, and the reason it wasn't is because the loans are there, and a loan
0: of ten or twenty dollars, of which you need to pay back, admittedly, in your next upkeep phase, is completely paybackable.
2: Yeah. If you have the right collection.
0: Yeah. Yep, fair enough. And look, I, I was able to display something which had three or four cards. That got me $80 or so, so that was really good. And that sees you through heaps. And it's amazing that the first half of this game, I think, Mark, you'll agree, is that you are scrutinizing every purchase and every dollar. Yeah. You- and the second half, but primarily the last quarter, you kind of just buy. It. oh, that'll do and yeah. that'll do and that'll do because the last quarter you get rid of all of the cards from the contracts, from the buildings and from the employees and you replace them with three little mini decks of six cards each for last quarter contracts, last quarter buildings, last quarter employees, which are extra special ones that sort of give you that ramp up in, uh, I guess, collection prowess.
1: Yeah, and look, I would love to say that I did an amazing job and smashed you all. You did.
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, the other bit, the smashed I, I, you did that bit. I okay. just did say that. Right.
1: But what I do want to add is there is – it's not not—it's not luck per se, but the timing of when the cards comes out can be critical. Now, you've got – they're fairly small decks, so I think after a number of plays, you're going to know the cards you're looking for. So as an example, I went all in probably more than I should have or planned to with Buildings – And all of a sudden, my upkeep was, like, going to be 20 in a round. However, at the time that that happened, I got a contract that said, all your buildings are free this round. And then when it flipped to the other side, it said three of your buildings are free this time. And I think I had five buildings. Which is massive. And that was in the third and the fourth quarter. So the timing of that was absolutely critical to me. Now, yes, I... I don't know that I planned to go first in the turn order, but I was first. Then I spotted that card. Then I went on that spot to make sure I got that card first. So, yes, I planned for that to happen once I knew it could happen... But it was based on the luck of those cards coming out and similar to some of the other employees and even with the fashion collections because, as you said, there's the five different types. There's also an icon on each of them for a a clothing type, so shoes, jacket, pants, shirts, which we all had one of. So if if you made a collection that included... Um, Basically what you specialised in. A piece of in. that that you specialised in. I was the shoe specialist. Um, that gave you extra trend tokens, which obviously was one of the awards. So you, you're you really sort of struggling to pull it all together in that quarter, and there is a lot of luck involved, but then also determining, well, I really have to make sure I'm going to get myself a collection, so I'm going to have to go there, and I'm going to have to forgo, forgo maybe getting a staff, or at least go second in the staffing. Yeah. It There's a lot of tactical pulling and pushing Correct. of levers, and I I found that quite fascinating because I started to feel like, oh, this is very – for me, it felt a bit vinyos mm-hmm. but what I realised is with vinyos, you're really planning out where you're ageing your grapes, you're getting good value for them, you're looking at what types and whether you're going to specialise in certain types – but a lot of those um, things carry over multiple rounds, and you really develop a plan and then start to lay that plan out. Whereas this was more tactical, and I, I feel like there are some people, and I'm one of them, who I can only really plan one or two turns ahead, and I start to, look, I hate to say it, I start to lose interest in planning too far ahead. A lot of times because I I forget, and <laughs> people who played games with me will know that I often say, I had a cunning plan a minute ago and now I've forgotten it because I've, I don't want to plan too much ahead. And for me, I'd, I don't know if it was the perfect way, but I really enjoyed that mix of strategy and tactics that comes from not having to
0: plan too exactly much Exactly right. And look, it doesn't matter how many employees you have. Once you go past three, as long as you have one building for each additional employee card, you can get them. Some of the other benefits, because you will never get more than the three tokens to play, employees will give you access to spaces even Mm. if you don't have a token there. So there might be an employee that allows you to go and visit the warehouse even though you haven't got a token there. So in those rounds that you've got that employee, which they never go as long as you keep them employed... Um, you know I don't have to bother about putting a an actual token there yeah. to be able to buy material, and that's super-duper important. There's other uh, employers that might allow you to take free types of uh, fashion cards or design cards. There are employers that are super-duper useful, which allow you to put your three tokens elsewhere uh, because it's amazing how quickly those two rounds of three workers each yeah. disappears on you and you go, Oh, my God, I haven't bought whatever I need to buy, yep. or some bad luck happened, or, Mark, you put your spot your meeple where I needed to put it, and it's like, oh.
1: Well, that was one of the things where I didn't develop an engine at the start was I had to spend all my workers actually going and buying stuff because I needed three stuffs to be able to build things, and I couldn't spare any. So, look, it, it's so tight. It's so uh, interconnected I, look, I, I had a ball with this game, I must admit.
0: Yeah, look, I really enjoyed it. I would happily sit down and play it again, and I reckon we could get the game time down to closer yeah. to that two-hour mark if there were, again, people who had played it um, already. I would certainly not make the same mistake I made, and I would not choose basically buildings primarily, until I had had one or two collections, unless there was a super-duper building that I knew I could afford and make mm. back. And I think you know that's where the the joys of replaying a game and going, yeah, I acknowledge I did that something wrong and I won't do that again. And I
1: but, was fascinated by the fact that none of us took any of the short-term loans which were not too bad yeah. or the longer-term loans which were really bad. We managed our money really tightly. But that was perhaps the gamers in us that, that sometimes didn't make a decision that could have been beneficial because we didn't want to go into debt correct because for us debt is bad and maybe like business sometimes you got to spend money to make money but yeah look i i feel really that this is a great game yes um i'm curious to know how much it's changed over the years but but at its heart it it was a lot of fun it kept us even though it was a longer game, it kept us engaged.
0: Absolutely. And I'll be Mark here. It looks really cool on the table. Oh, it all makes yeah. sense. So that's really, really nice. So I think, you know, Dice Men really approve of this game. It's very nice. And we do have to say again, thank you so much to Ignatze for, for sending us a, a copy of this. It's really appreciated. We will throw to a song and come back. And Leon can do some talking about. P-p-p-p-p. <laughs> Hi, this
1: is Shim from Garful Games. And you are listening to The Dice Men Cometh, a podcast about all things board game related. Brought to you by a pack of Australians, which as we all know, aren't very good at sports, but are great at going on and on and on and on and on about anything that doesn't really matter, which is perfect for podcasts. There you go. That was a shortened version of LaRue with Bulletproof You're on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Dicemen Cometh. And we've got so much to talk about. We thought we'd come back a little bit early. But firstly, thank you so much to our great sponsors, LFG. They do have an online retail presence. They've got a physical retail presence in Canberra. They host all sorts of game days. You should check them out. LFG in Canberra.
2: You should. You should also check out Leon. Yes. Talking about something. Go. I'm quite good. Um, Either way, speaking of LFG, I met somebody at LFG this year. Um, I'd I'd spoken to online, but I'd met them face-to-face, and that was Mr. Shem Phillips. (gasps) And I got to talk to him about the fact that one of his games, which I'm about to talk about now, Paladins of the West Kingdom, was one of my most anticipated games of the year. And we finally got a kickstart of... Copies have gone worldwide, and we had a chance to have a crack at it. So, Paladins of the West Kingdom, the second in a trilogy series, the West Kingdom series. It is designed by uh, S.J. MacDonald, who also did Architects of the West Kingdom, along with Shem Phillips, who did not only Architects, and will do the third game, but also the Viking trilogy, the North Sea and trilogy. The Raiders, and what have you. Yes, the Raiders. The Raiders is the one that everybody knows, because it's by far the best of the three. The other two, decent enough games, but Raiders is where it's at, where 're so far in this trilogy. They're both crackers so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've just spoiled it. What are you going to do? <laughs> either way. And it's got some tremendous art by... Now, watch me butcher this. I've even got them caps. <laughs> Michalo Dmitrievsky. I've probably got that wrong, but I did my best. Let's just call him Miko. Yeah, everyone anyway, knows him as the Mijo. Either way. And there's the same person who did the art for um, the Valeria game. So, Card to Valeria, Village of Valeria. And also, as soon as I saw it on BGG went, of course they did. Another game that we're a huge fan of the Game of Thrones Hand of the King mm-hmm. game. It's the same artist, which I didn't click until I saw it. Jesus. So, Paladins of the West Kingdom, which we were very nicely sent by Shen Phillips after I backed the Kickstarter and sent him <laughs> some of my money. <laughs> thanks, Shen. Just thanks to Leon. show you, we're just, we're just like everyone else around here. We, we, we pay our dues, as we do. So anyway, the Paladins of the West Kingdom. It's a turbulent time in West Francia's story, circa 900 AD. That was a while ago for you and me... Garth, Mark, you remember? Just like yesterday. 900 man. AD. Anyway, despite recent efforts to develop the city, outlying towns are still under threat from outsiders. Saracen scouts the borders, while Vikings plunder wealth and livestock. Even the Byzantines. Can you believe the Byzantines have got involved? I can totally believe those damn Byzantines. Anyway, from the east have shown their darker side. As noble men and women, players must gather. Muff, gather? <laughs> I not say that <laughs> properly at all. Even sticky tape. Uh, yeah, stupid. <laughs> From the city to defend against enemies, build fortification, and spread faith throughout the land. Unfortunately, sorry, fortunately, you are not alone in this great. In his great wisdom, the king has sent his finest knights to help aid in your efforts. So, ready the horses and sharpen the swords, because the paladins are approaching. Yes, thank you very much for that horse-slash-round of applause for my excellent reading, Garth. So, Paladins of the West Kingdom is a game where you're playing... You'll never believe this. The person that wins is the one who has the most victory points. What? At yes. Get out of town. And it is a worker placement game at heart. So what you will do in this game is that each player will be given a deck of 12 identical paladin cards, which I think is a really cool thing. Yes. Because you've all got the exact same opportunities. The difference is you're obviously going to shuffle that deck, so they're going to come out in slightly different orders. Mm. What you will do in the start of every turn is you will draw three of those cards now this i really like you will then pick one that's the card you will use this turn which i'll explain what they do in a minute you will put one back on top of the deck so you will know that it's coming up and two others in the next round so if you think oh this is good but i don't need it this round you know and then the other one you think you can put it on the bottom of the deck so by the time it comes to the end of the round which is seven rounds in this game you've got all the crappy ones Not necessarily, but you could, this is, you could future proof. You could put the best card in, say, round two near the bottom thinking that should come up by the Mm. end. So, yeah. Then you flip over a card on the King's Order track, which is also a way of keeping track of the rounds. This is another really cool feature because the first three cards that get flipped over this, one at the start of each round, They are end-of-game victory points that everyone can work towards. So for the first three rounds, you're building your engine, you're getting going, and it's showing you these are some extra bonus ways you can get points at the end. And then after those three are revealed you will start getting extra locations, five of them that come out, where you can send out your workers each round, but only one person can go there. That's so tricky. Yes, like any good worker placement games. Now, the thing that we will probably mention when we get to the end of this, this is a game where it's, there's a lot of stuff, a lot you will do on your own board. Mm. Player interaction in this game is very good when it happens, but there is not heaps of it. However, like a good worker placement game, there are times when you will put out a worker and somebody will go, but to be fair, anytime you do something which could affect other players you will get a chorus of oh, f- oh, oh. no, no. <laughs> professional swore. professional <sighs> I didn't say the fudge <laughs> <laughs> either way and then once you've done that then you'll take turns in picking tavern cards. This is where you go down to your local tavern and you pick all the various different workers that you want to try and find. There are things like there are clerks, there are scouts, there are criminals, things of that nature. So you'll go down the pub and you'll grab your ragtag group of people along with whatever they say on your paladin card and that will be your workers for the round. So every round you'll have different kinds of workers to put out On your worker, and that's really, really cool. Yeah, your paladins—the one you choose—will always give you three workers, and
0: then you'll usually get four, four four usually from the other ones as well. And that's they're different colors, and they'll be yeah, you'll be able to use them for different things. There's even the wild
2: purple people. Oh yes, we're going to talk about them later because they come in handy for when I didn't win the game, but I came close-ish but they were good purple people. Yes. Anyway, so on your turn, everyone will take one action and then going around until everybody passes. That's around, You do that seven times, you're done. Simple. Mm. But what are the things you're going to be doing? Well, I'm Lots. glad you didn't ask. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things you can do is develop. When you do this, players will send their workers. You will build workshops. What you do when you build a workshop is you will take that workshop and you will put it on another action space on your board, which then makes it cheaper in the future, as well as gives you an instant reward. It's very similar to me of that of Scythe. Yep. where you take off a cube off somewhere straight away something becomes cheaper you put it somewhere else and now you get reward for that as well
0: yeah and by cheaper you mean the location that might have cost you three workers to go to yep now
2: only costs two yeah. which is great because you've built a workshop there it's thematic it makes sense then you've got recruit this is where you can hire townsfolk from the cards in the middle the townsfolk board another thing that when you do will affect everybody else because you'll take something that they were probably after uh, you can send one worker there to take one card where you'll straight away do an instant ability on that card and then discard it forever. Also, a good little screw you if somebody really, really wanted it. Or you can send multiple workers there to recruit that person permanently for the rest of the game where they will give you a passive ability. So again, changing the way your board is to everybody else. You start with the same deck, same board, but after two turns in round one, you're already starting to build your own unique little setup here. Then you've got Hunt or Trade, which is send your workers out to get your basic provisions and your basic silver. Now, you might say... That's a bit boring. Every worker placement game has it. However, for something that is a basic requirement in a game that you will often need provisions and silver, you don't want it to be complicated. There's nothing worse than getting to the end of a big enginey building a game and you go, "I don't think I can do this cool final action because I can't get a fish because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one dollar short, one mushroom
1: short, oh yeah. one
2: mushroom." <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll talk about that in future. Episodes. <laughs> Anywho, uh, then you've got prayer which allows you to send a worker to... Oh, sorry, it's prey. Sorry. You send a worker and then you get back a criminal for reasons best known to why it's called that. Yes. <laughs> so now these purple criminals, as you Garth said before, these are wild in which you can put them in any space you possibly can yep. and they will take the worker that you need there. However, when you do that you will get a suspicion card. I like, hate those cards. Yeah, but the suspicion cards give you money, so that's good. You get, I like a, that. you get a wild worker and money. What could possibly go wrong? Well, what could possibly go wrong is that if you have the most suspicion cards when the Inquisition happens, uh, very kind of similar to the prison break in the last game, yeah. then, yeah, it's kind of goes away from there. <laughs> and you, you get yourself a bit of a debt, which is not... not actually very nice no, it is uh, you not. can fortify which is building defences around the ki- kingdom which gives you reward it also builds up your strength track because there's three different tracks on the side of the board here there's a strength track, a faith track and another track which I've got written down here but I can't remember either way, there are three different tracks that you're trying to build <laughs> and you need them for various things and also they give you victory points Fun, Lana. Faith, faith, strength, influence influence, that's the one then you've got commission and garrison, which allows you to send monks out to spread the word of the kingdom. Then the garrison is where you send out uh, people to build outposts into your kingdom. Now, when you do this, this is where you will put out the garrisons or the monks onto this main kind of rewards board. And again, this is a situation where... Once you put a worker down, that's where that worker is for the – sorry, the monk or the garrison, that's where they are for the game. So if somebody's like, I really need to get this certain abilities and need to do it often, they're eyeing them up. Like for mine, I had a character that every time I paid a debt card, I'd get like triple the victory points for it. So there were cards out there that would like flip a debt card over to successful – I was gunning for those. But if people went out there and started putting workers on them and taking them from me, I was going to be in a lot of trouble. Yes, you were trying to be a Lannister, weren't you? Yeah. And always pay your debts. Yeah, actually. Uh, then there is the absolve action, which is very similar to the fortify, except this will put you up the faith track and give you a various extra bibs and bobs. And then there's the attacks. Mm. All the attacks are fun. <laughs> and kind of like recruiting the workers, there's two different kinds. You can go out and try to fight the outsiders trying to get into your kingdom. And when you do that, you fight, you beat them, you remove the card, and you get one-off special abilities. Or what you can do is you can try and turn them, you can convert them, say, to your side. And if you do that, you take them. They don't have abilities that you can use for the rest of the game, but what they do have is end of game, victory point conditions. So that's how throughout the game you can kind of customise the way you can get more points than everybody else, between mm. the ones out there, between everyone, everyone's gunning for, and your own individual ones. Mm. And you do all that, you do that for seven rounds and at the end of it you add it all up and the person who did the this is the winner. Assistant. Absolutely
0: Leon, you are so correct, the absolute player who plays the best gets the most points and that is wonderful, I like that about the game. Yeah. This game where you all start each round with about the same amount of workers. Yep. It's important to note that you can choose to hold back a couple of workers at the end of the round. You don't just have to end your turn when you are out of workers because having more actions than your opponents on any given round can be massive. Mm. Something like the prayer action where you get to repeat an action that you've already done once can be massive. There are turns that you have in this game where you just go, I've got the right workers, bang, 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 boom, and you get... Massive amounts of influence or big strength or big something or other and you have that turn that really gets that engine thumping. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, if someone takes a spot that you need on the later rounds or if someone just already converts the uh, the outsider that you were trying to get because that would give you buku points at the end, that's enough interaction to make it not just a solitaire puzzle game. And I really, really like this. I'm just going to say this is probably my favourite Shem Phillips Mm -hmm. game Uh, and it's not just because I won it's because (laughs) I really liked it. Yeah, Architects I
2: really enjoyed but this one is the next level up for me. Yeah it's very very good and we played this probably about three weeks or so ago Mm. now. I've got here in front of me a picture of what your board is. Now this has got a lot on it. There's a lot of Iconography. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you hadn't played the game, it might be a little bit daunting at first. But again, we we learnt this from a quick flick through the rule book and YouTube video, which was like ten minutes long, no hassle whatsoever. After the first round, it all made sense. Again, we played this three weeks ago. I can look at this now and I know exactly what to do. I could teach this game without the rule book right now. And just yep. another quick thing about the rule book, because Shem is the one who does the graphic design and the layout, so he doesn't do the art, but he does all the rest. This rule book, and now he's been listening to his dice men like a good boy, because you open it, what? does it give you it gives you the introduction the aim of the game shows you all the components the setup and then the next thing it tells you the gameplay overview this at least for the first three pages is a perfect rule (laughs) (laughs) and he has lots of pictures
1: as well showing you about things it's not just the words i wanted to ask because i wasn't uh, available for this game apart from obviously the thematic tie-in to architects where they're both based in the West Kingdom, and it has a very similar look. Are there many similarities? Because obviously what we saw with the the, um, North Sea saga saga, is those games were very, very, very different. Similar looking just because of the art style, but very different games. Now, I have played um, Architects. Mm -hmm. Is there much crossover in terms of the graphic design, in terms of the iconography, but also in terms of the gameplay? Well,
2: I'd say if you go back to the North Sea saga, obviously Raiders was the standout, mm-hmm. and that was a worker placement game. Mm-hmm. Architects is also a worker placement game. Paladins yep. is a worker placement yep. game. I think Shem's figured out what he's damn good at. Yep. And let's face it, worker placement games are kind of a... They're a classic in our hobbies now when you talk about your Stone Age, your Lords of Waterdeep and stuff like that, but there's not a heap of them in the big mainstream these days because everyone's trying all these kind of new, unique things, which there's definitely some stuff in his games, but I think he's just realised, I'm pretty good at this worker placement thing. Mm. Why don't I just keep trying to do variants on that in different styles? It is different enough to architects that it's not one of those things where you go, I know you only need to own one and not the other. They are absolutely different kettles of fish. Absolutely.
0: Couldn't agree more. But because of the consistency of graphic design and the look, yep. having played Architects made this a breeze to learn. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were also lucky. We had AOS playing with us, and yep. he played before, so he was able to, to give us a little bit of um yep. extra extra insight knowledge, and that was really cool. But yeah, this this hits a really nice sweet spot, and you never feel uninvolved in the game. No. Because even though you've got your own individual player board, there's so much going on on the main board. And there are so many cards that you're trying to, to keep your eye on. You're always interested in what the players around the table are doing. So this is this is awesome. I yeah. really had a good time.
2: And okay. Just another a couple of quick things before we finish. The Architects of the West Kingdom, as we mentioned before, there's an expansion for that, The Age of Artisans, which is coming up. Uh, the pre-orders for that start in a couple of weeks, and they're looking for, I think, a February or March release on that. Also, at about the same time, the third game in this trilogy will be released on Kickstarter, I believe Shem told me, about March. Okay. Uh, he hasn't told me the name yet, yet, although we did recommend um, Dice Men of the West Kingdom. And I didn't get a hard no. I might have got a ha-ha kind of a soft no, but I didn't get a hard no. Alright, so if
0: all our listeners email Shem and say the only game we want to buy is Dice Men of the West Kingdom, then that's a Almost a dead cert. Well, if, if
1: not that, I mean, he's got so yeah. many games now, there's so much room
2: for a dice man themed oh, yeah. expansion. Um, or just a card. At least the art, for God's <laughs> sake. Um, but, yeah, and just finally, yes, I really like this game too. I don't know if it's my favourite of the series, but it's definitely it's between this and Raiders, I think. Mm-hmm. I reckon this will show up on my games of the year at the end mm. of the year, I would say. Uh, the only negative I could say is not a negative on the game is that if you have an AP-prone person... This could be a nightmare. Yeah. Because I as I was saying when I played this game with Garth and he'd know especially with me and worker placement games, I like to plan ahead quite a bit. I did have like my next six or seven turns and I was kind of like sitting there trying to be polite, but a bit like <laughs> nah, I need to do things like whereas an A P person might be yeah. the exact opposite. Correct. So but that's can happen in multiple different games. But either way, check it out and get behind any of their games if you haven't played them. These boys are good at what they do.
0: Absolutely. And as you say, the best player did win with the most victory points yes. in both games tonight. So yeah, I you know, I may have been a, a fashion failure, but uh, at least I was a Paladin powerhouse. We yeah.
1: smashed out two amazing games. You can't go wrong with either of these. You also can't go wrong uh, by checking out lfg-aus.com.au because not only is that their online retail space, you can find out what game nights are happening in Cambar Village at Shop 3 Prima Court. You can find out about LFG in Sydney next year, where not one, not two, but three dice men will Woo-hoo! be attending. And of course, as we said, 22nd to the 24th of November at Eastlake Football Club, it's and Unplugged. We will see you there, but we have got to go because we've run out of time.
0: Bye.
2: Bye.
0: This has been an edit of the Dice Men Cometh from Edge radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's Independent Youth Station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.